because aluminium is infinitely recyclable, then the aluminium pods must be great. And it's true that aluminium is infinitely recyclable. But the problem is that less than one in three pods are actually recycled. How can you save the planet with your morning cup of joe? That is the topic on today's Age of Plastic podcast, an environmental podcast with me, Andrea Fox. Before we get on to that, uh, just a quick mention for our Patreon. This is how you can support the podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, but you're like, I wish it came out every week. I wish there were more of them. I wish Andrew was better at doing social media to let me know when the podcast was on. Um, I've just come to the point after 100 episodes of knowing that I need some help with that. Um, so that is where the money would be going, basically, to help pay for someone to help me edit this and get it out uh, more regularly to you. There'll also be something in it for you. Extra content. Everybody loves content. Um, you can find out more by heading to patreon.com forward slash age of plastic the link is in the show notes it will cost you ironically the price of a cup of joe per month honestly as a uk citizen growing up uh, watching a lot of us (laughs) influences i thought cup of joe was orange juice for a very long time today we're talking coffee pods i have a coffee pod machine and i will continue to have that coffee pod machine until It breaks, frankly. But according to new research, 30,000 plastic and aluminium coffee pods go to landfill every single minute. That's mad. The good news is 76% of us agree it's more important now than ever to recycle and to compost. And today I'm talking to two wonderful guests about this study and about how you can use coffee in your garden and have the most sustainable and environmentally friendly coffee that it's possible to have. TV gardening guru Daisy Payne is joining me today to talk all things compost and I'm joined by the founder of Grind Coffee. I do have to say I love the one in Greenwich near me, David Abramovich, to discuss this coffee pod problem and something brand new, a home compostable pod that Grind have been working on. Here's Daisy and David on the Age of Plastic podcast. So Daisy, why is it so important that budding home gardeners get composting? Well, it's important for two reasons, really. Um, The first is it's great for our gardens. So when we are home composting, we are creating a beautiful, gorgeous, nutritious mulch for our gardens, which means that our plants um, are much healthier year on year because we're adding some really nutritious goodness into our soils from the home compost bin. But then it's also good for the planet too. So um, we're diverting stuff from from landfill and from being processed as waste when we put it into our home composter. So it's kind of a win-win really. It's good for the gardens and it's good for, you know, the planet overall because it means we're reducing what we're chucking away every day. Um, And it really is the stuff that we're chucking away day after day that can just go straight in that home composter and start to break down over time. So is coffee something we can compost or put on our plants? It is, yeah. It's um, a question I get quite a lot, actually, because it's there's some there's quite a lot of mixed messaging on 
on coffee um, and whether or not it's good for plants but it is so ground coffee is really good for plants um, and it's actually really good if you sprinkle it around some of your acid loving plants um, because it kind of fertilizes the plants so things like azaleas um, and rhododendrons and um, they love a little bit of ground coffee don't we all um, then the other thing that coffee is really really good for um, is it's a natural deterrent for slugs so you can actually sprinkle it around your plants um, and it will keep away slugs so if you've planted out really lovely new plants this year um, you can sprinkle a bit of coffee around because slugs really hate crawling over things that are a little bit kind of rough um, so it's really good for that and obviously um, with the new grind home compostable coffee pods you can pop those in your home composter and the bits of coffee that's in there will also help to add some nutrition into your soil so it's kind of a really good all-round um, thing for your garden and for your plants. Okay, now I live in a flat, so what advice would you give to people who don't have a garden to compost in? I would say um, that you can still get involved and still home compost. So there's some lovely little um, Bakashi home composters that are available. Um, they're fantastic. They're like, um, they're an old Japanese um, fermentation technique. And if you pop in some of your food waste and stuff into those bins, it's a fantastic way of creating a really lovely extra nutritious bit of goodness. If you've got pots out on your balcony or a window box, perhaps you can then dig the stuff that basically the Bokashi composter kicks out, dig it into your pots and that will feed your plants. So even if you've got a small space, there is still a home composting um, solution for you. So it's really accessible and there's kind of no excuse really for us all not to start home composting. Um, I think one of the biggest things is it feels really big or, it's, or it feels inaccessible. And what we're talking about today is that it's so easy. You just need to start um, and really get a grip on what can go in so that you're starting to throw less away. How long would you say it takes to get on top of that? If you're starting composting now, like how long would it take before you can take advantage and feel like you're having an impact? So it takes um, a varying amount of time for various things to break down in your home compost bin. Um, so the ground home compostable the grind home compostable coffee pod takes 180 days which is actually less than say grass cuttings which is pretty impressive but if you're putting stuff into your home composter over time it will slowly start to sink down as it breaks down as those worms are working their magic in there um, and within about a year or a year and a bit you will then start at the bottom of that compost um, bin to have compost because it will be breaking down really nicely and at that point you can open it up lift the lid um, and uh, and start adding it to your to your garden so it doesn't take long really and if you think about it all that stuff that you would have chucked away um, is being repurposed and, and made into something that ultimately is is amazing for your plants and for your garden so I think it's pretty amazing really that that all of that stuff can be come back with a new purpose and it reduces in size, right? It does. Yeah, by does. about 50%, is that yeah, right? Yeah, it slowly starts to yeah. break down. Um, it's quite amazing, um, really, when you think about it, all that rubbish that would normally 
um, you'd be just chucking away really nearly, you know, like cardboard can go in and just cut it into small chunks so it breaks down quicker, paper, egg boxes, that kind of thing. So it's pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. David, we are becoming more environmentally conscious, but it seems maybe we have a bit of a blind spot when it comes to recycling or disposing of coffee pods properly. Yeah, look, I think everyone is becoming more environmentally conscious, but equally, people are confused. You know, when when we speak to our customers, you know, lots of them tell us that they don't really know the difference between home compostable or other forms of recycling. And, you know, the other thing is that, you know, when we asked about two in five thought that they didn't really need to bother too much with coffee pods because they're so small. And of course, they are very small individually. But, you know, 29,000 plastic or aluminium coffee pods are going into landfill every single minute, which is insane. If you think about 29,000 of those little things and then another 29,000 and then another 29,000. So they may be small individually, but we consume billions of these things every year. So, you know, getting rid of them properly is really important and you know, particularly with the new pods that we've now released, we think we're making it as easy as possible to ensure that they are properly disposed of and therefore that our, the coffee at home habit that we all have and love and enjoy can just be that bit less impactful on the environment. And many plastic and aluminium pots, there's so many of us used every single year. So tell us what is so great about the new grind pods. Yeah, so look, so the, the, the challenge with aluminium pods, and, and people mistakenly think that because aluminium is infinitely recyclable, then the aluminium pods must be great. And it's true that aluminium is infinitely recyclable. But the problem is that less than one in three pods are actually recycled. And the next part of the problem is that every time Nespresso or someone else makes a new pod, they're using 20% non-recycled aluminium because they need that in order for the pod to function correctly. And so what that means is that you've got billions of these capsules that all contain one-fifth new aluminium. And the extraction of that aluminium is incredibly resource intensive in terms of electricity, water, it involves lots of chemicals. It's really not a great process. So our new home compostable pods are made from a material called PHA, which essentially is a material which gives you all of the good things about plastic, light, strong, flexible, does a great job of keeping the coffee inside the pod fresh, but then will compost in home in, in home composting environment. And, and they're actually the first in the UK to be officially certified as home compostable. That means they don't need to go to your local council to be composted in special facilities, and you can do them right at home. And even if it, they do end up, unfortunately, in landfill or in the ocean, which, of course, we would never want that to happen and we'd never encourage that, they will still break down, you know, tens, if not hundreds of times faster than aluminium or other compostable pots. So, you know, we think, there are, we think they are the most sustainable way to enjoy great coffee at home. And they break down so quickly, as we've already heard, right? Yeah, 180 days. So, you know, for context, that's quicker than grass cuttings. That's quicker than banana skins. You know, an aluminium pod finding its way into landfill will be there for many, many centuries. And if people want to actually see this in action, forget the latest TV channel to launch. What is the composting stream that Grind have set up? Tell us about that. So this is really cool because 
I've always wanted to see uh, what goes on in my home compost bin and how stuff is uh, breaking down. Um, so this is very cool. So Grind have got a live stream on their website and you can go on there and watch live as their coffee pods break down and you can actually see them versus some of the others that are on the market as well which I think will be really fascinating um so it's it's going to be quite cool to check back over time you know over the next 180 days or so just to really see that they are breaking down um because I think some people you know don't necessarily you know believe or connect with this sort of stuff but in reality um seeing stuff break down is going to be pretty cool so you can go onto Grind's website and um and watch or check back as things are breaking down in there so you've got the coffee pods in amongst the the grass cuttings um your banana skins your egg boxes and all of that stuff so I think it'd be pretty cool and Daisy how can sustainable swaps in a home help our gardens too so <clears throat> sustainable swaps is something that's not only obviously great for gardens, if you think about home composting and not chucking as much away, um, but it's also just good for the environment. And I think everybody needs to start thinking about the little things that they do every day um, that that is having an impact, having a negative impact. So anything from the way you're buying your fruit and veg um, for example, so it always comes wrapped in so much plastic, which is absolutely terrible. So let's just stop buying that and start buying it loose. Um, or better still, um, do what I do. And I've only been doing this for a few years. So growing your own, you really don't need much space to grow things like strawberries in pots or hanging baskets. Tomatoes are fantastic if you've only got a small space as well. You, you know, you don't need a big garden for some of this stuff. Um, I also grow my own lettuce in thin, long tubs, which again is fantastic if you've got a balcony space. Um, so it means that you're not, you know, going out to the shops and buying stuff that's wrapped in loads and loads of plastic. Um, and you're actually just growing it in your own back garden or on your own balcony. So there's loads of little things like that. And I think by growing your own or home composting, whatever it might be, you're just starting on that journey to be more sustainable, um, which for me is, is really, really important that we all think about that in our day-to-day -day lives. And David, how much waste does the coffee industry actually produce? Where are we going wrong? Well, look, I mean, putting a number on it is obviously very difficult, as you can imagine. You know, I think coffee coffee alone is, is several percentage points of, of GDP in the UK. And then you think about the fact that obviously all this coffee is grown all over the world. But look, I think the thing to focus on is what can we do to reduce the impact of coffee? And one of the challenges that we often have to pods is, oh, but why not? use something that's not wrapped in a material at all? Why not just use cafetiere? Why not just use another thing? And look, we think those methods are great as well. And we also, you know, we also roast lots of coffee and sell it in various different formats. But the thing that people fail to recognize in that discussion, they focus on the packaging in their hand, but they don't think about the life cycle of that product. And one of the great things about pods are that they use exactly, you know, five and a half grams of coffee per serve. And they're very accurate in terms of the amount of coffee you then produce. So whilst you might make a nice big cafetiere full of coffee at home and think, oh, I haven't used any packaging here, just a glass jar. Actually, what you typically do is use 
two or three times as much coffee per serve. And people tend to be quite wasteful when they're making that coffee. And actually, if you look at the whole life cycle, the vast majority of the impact or you know, the biggest percentage of the impact comes at source in the places where this coffee is grown and then picked and then dried and then shipped across the world. So by using a more accurate dispensing method, such as a pod, you can reduce the amount of coffee that's being sent all around the world. And that's actually the way that actually has a much bigger impact. So we're currently engaged in some academically verified research to measure the entire life cycle of all of our coffee products from cradle to grave and, and to compare those with others. So, you know, we, we, we're pretty sure on what that's going to, what the conclusions that it's going to be, but it's going to be great to have that, you know, academically verified. And, and we look forward to sharing that soon. Research shows there's still a lot of confusion for customers about composting and recycling. So what do you think can be done to make things easier for consumers? Um, I think local councils play a really important role in this process. You know, I think there's massively varied, varying levels of, you know, how each council behaves and what they'll take and the colour of the bins. And, you know, I've just moved house personally and it was a completely different system to the last place I was. And certain councils have compost and certain don't. So I really think at a national level, we need simplification and, and unification of, of those processes from, from borough to borough. And, you know, I know that everyone was supposed to be getting access to a food waste, a brown food waste bin at home by 2025 at the latest. And I believe that was passed into law, but I'm not sure if that's actually happening or if that's been pushed back now. So I think, you know, people, it needs to be easy for people, right? Everyone's busy, everyone's short of time. We just need to make it as easy as possible for people. And I, and I think unifying the systems and forcing all local councils to behave in the same way would be really helpful, especially as we all move around a lot more now. I did not know that about coffee waste when it comes to cafetiers. You are listening to the Age of Plastic podcast and after the break, we are going to be hearing some other sustainable coffee businesses who've appeared on the podcast talking about greenwashing to launching during lockdown. That's after this. A short interlude in the podcast now to remind you that we can't all do this alone. If we want to divest from fossil fuels like plastic, we need everyone and all companies on board. So if you want to find out what the companies you use are up to when it comes to sustainability, but you don't know where to start, there's a handy form that you can download and use to email to any company. You'll find it on my website, iamandreafox.co.uk back to today's episode taking a look back at an episode now which was from october 2019 the before times pre-pandemic if you will when i spoke to halo coffee now they call themselves the world's first compostable coffee capsules i chatted to james proctor blaine and sarah lynn from halo coffee all about how they came up with the product we didn't want people to say we won't buy your capsule because the coffee is lacking Mm -hmm. so We've done everything in the best way possible, speciality-grade coffee, and everything is home compostable. I was going to say, there is a lot of confusion about home compostable, isn't there? And uh, you were just telling me about some big event in the coffee industry. Can you tell me a bit about that? The Single Serve Capsule Conference. Where was my invite? Lost in the post. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so there's, I mean, even within the industry, there are a lot of opinions and... A lot of the manufacturers don't think compostable is the way forward, which is absolutely mad. And you were saying there is a big company, well, you don't need to name names, people can Google it, um, that have just recently said, oh, big news, we're coming out with something sustainable. 
but it's not actually because it's only compostable industrially. Yeah, and you're right. We shouldn't we shouldn't name names. People can can find it out for themselves. And actually, that there's there's more than one company doing it. it, it as a consumer, it, it makes me very cross because I feel people are being lied to. Um, and there's so much, we call it greenwashing, um, around this, this subject. And I think, basically, some of the bigger manufacturers out there just don't want to be honest about what they're doing because they know it's terrible for the, for, for the planet. So, again, without sort of naming names, there are a lot of manufacturers out there who are using plastic pods. Well, they can't be recycled and they're made from fossil fuels, so that's a disaster for the planet. Um, there are some manufacturers using aluminium pods. Well, they fall through the gaps or, or through the magnets at waste disposal sites, and I know because I've seen it, and they end up in landfill, so they're not great. Um, you can always you can, you can recycle some of them, and some manufacturers, again, um, not naming names but, but Mr. Clooney's friends, um, <laughs> will collect your aluminium capsules, and that's fine, but you have to ask, where are they sending them to? Where, what's the air miles uh, in taking those capsules to the site where they get get recycled. Um, and the aluminium extraction process itself is hideous for the environment and, and uses a lot of, um, of sort of precious metals in it. Um, and then you get into the realm of compostability. And, and as you were sort of alluding to, there are a lot of manufacturers that will talk about their capsules being compostable. Well, what they really mean is industrially compostable. Uh, and the infrastructure for that barely exists in the UK. It's very um, sporadic from, from sort of local borough to local borough. And you can put these these industrially compostable, these bioplastic pods in your home compost or your garden, and um, they will hang around for up to two years because they're... Well, actually, the ones that hang out for two years are the home compostable ones. So the industrially compostable ones will be there for much longer much much longer so you know as as i say I, for such an important issue it's it's quite surprising just how the other manufacturers out there are just not engaging with this this issue at all why do you think it that they're getting away with greenwashing do you think it would take some kind of legal definition maybe this is, i'm just thinking of Th- this easier. is the problem with terminology there are so many words being thrown around biodegradable compostable industrially compostable even within the industry there's so much confusion so how can you expect the consumer to know mm. yeah, it's a nightmare isn't it it's an absolute minefield i was just saying you basically need to do investigative journalism to make sure you you're actually doing the right thing um so we've been asking a lot of guests what the word sustainable means to them so sarah james what would you say sustainable means to you I'm, i might have a slightly different definition on it to to whatever the dictionary says but for me sustainable means you know leaving no impact on the planet or or not damaging the planet i've got i feel this very personally i've got two kids and i look at them and i try and work out what what condition we're leaving the planet in for them and my objective professionally and as part of the the business that i work for work for is um to work for something that's not going to damage their future for me it's as simple as that so however you do it however you you make it happen it's it really is about leave as little trace as possible mm-hmm. Sarah, would you go along with that yeah i agree mm-hmm. um i was going to just say james you did work for unnamed other coffee brand didn't you before you moved to halo i, I did yes uh, and, and we don't need to, to to go into names on that but it, it's it's funny i mean the 
they're a good business. I enjoyed working with them. But they just didn't take the environmental point at all seriously. And I and I ran consumer research and I fed back to the business. I was saying, look, you know, people, consumers are saying the environment is important and we're using plastic pods and we need to do something about this. And there didn't seem to be any major appetite for for things to change. And in the end, I said, no, I, I can't. I can't do this. I have to work for a business that's that's more ethical than this. I think that's amazing because it touches on something. Um, lots of people now want to work for companies that do exactly what Halo is doing, and uh, it's sort of depressing that the businesses aren't paying attention, but interesting that consumers definitely want it. Yeah, I just I, I firmly believe this this issue is not going away. I mean, everything that I read in in the news shows that we are you know, globally failing to address these issues. But also, you, you only have to look at things like the climate strikes in the, over the last couple of weeks. Consumers are getting angrier and angrier that businesses, corporations, politicians, everything, are failing to address this issue. And they are literally taking to the streets to protest it. So the notion that, as, as manufacturers, that we can sit on our hands and do nothing just strikes me as, uh, as ridiculous. We have to address this. Yeah, I find that really... Um really heartening that you know that the consumers want it and also like you say the climate strikes it's it's there on the street um one criticism i have heard is that maybe we shouldn't be using a food product uh, for something that's going to end up uh, decomposing are we using a natural resource like food considering we have an abundance but there's lots of people in, in the world that do not food poverty is obviously an issue and I've heard, had people say to me in the past on this podcast that they don't think that we should be using things like sugarcane to make things. But I just feel like if the opposite is bioplastic, wh- where's that going to lead us? I mean, I think I mean it's, it's a fair point. Um, I can I can see the point that's being made. I think what, the way we would approach it is we're a coffee manufacturer. We know people want coffee. Um, we know people want coffee capsules. If they don't buy them from us, they will buy them from somewhere somewhere else. The best option that we have found in terms of sustainability, environmental impact, are the capsules that we're we're currently using, um, which, as Sarah says, are made from sort of sugarcane bagasse. Um, so that is is the route that we've taken. If a route, another route became available that wasn't food waste product that we could we could look at, then of course we would happily look at it. But I think for now. We feel it's a choice between something that, yes, is a food waste product uh, or something that is either bioplastic or plastic or aluminium, and we don't, we don't think that's the way we want to go down. And taking a look back now at Alpaca Coffee, uh, Vicky Poon, who appeared on the show right in the midst of things, August 2020, uh, talking about Alpaca Coffee and not only launching it in lockdown, but also greenwashing tactics in the industry. It's a marketing technique to appear more sustainable. And that's why we need to be careful when it comes to these things because, you know, um, it's just very confusing. And I think that's the technique is to confuse and to throw a bunch of terms out there. And so as a business owner, you have to be very aware of that. And you have to also be careful what you're marketing, what you're advertising, because at the end of the day, it's your responsibility as a business. Whatever you put out there in the world, it's going to have uh, after effect. It's going to alter what ends up in landfills or what ends up on the on the surface of the earth, or you know, 
And so with business, you have to have that responsibility. And so that was a huge journey for us with our packaging because there when I was researching and contacting multiple suppliers and I made it very clear from the beginning, I wanted sustainable packaging. And then Mm. that also allowed me to think, okay, what is sustainable packaging? That's Mm. such a vague, (laughs) such a vague thing to think about at first. Yes. But then you dig down and you need to really consider um, uh, a country and a government's infrastructure. Then you also have to consider where how can a consumer dispose of their packaging you have to think about all of these little things and Mm. for example with our packaging we do home compostable and it's 100 100% plastic free and that is one of the highest standards of sustainable packaging out there and I say that because I spent a long time looking for packaging that actually was not harmful to the planet Mm. and for example, we had uh, oxo-degradable packaging that we were considering. But the problem okay. with that is it sounds sustainable, but really what it is is plastic. It's normal plastic that's just been treated in a way where it can break down through oxidization. But wow. That, that doesn't actually mean it's plastic-free or it's sustainable. It just means that it's breaking down into microplastics. And that isn't good <laughs> if your yeah. microplastics end up back in the environment that's very harmful to you know let's say marine animals and so there's there's a lot of terms out there that can be very confusing and for an everyday consumer when you quickly look at a packaging and you want to make a decision on the fly like how how can you do that in a, a way that is allowing you to make an educated decision and I Mm. think it's up to businesses to be very honest and upfront about really what is what their packaging is made of and and unfortunately now we're seeing a lot of um, companies kind of riding on this um, sustainable wave but not doing so in a actually sustainable way so yeah Yeah. that was a huge consideration so it was a bit of a process finding the packaging it was an educational moment to me as well because you realize, wow, there's there's a lot of stuff out there that you kind of have to you have to work through the noise and you have to figure out for yourself and make your an educated decision as a business, like what what is right really. And I hope you enjoyed the addition of some looks back at some little snippets from other coffee related episodes. I'm going to be doing more of that, digging out some excellent episodes from the past and bringing them to you here on the Age of Plastic podcast. On to our eco life hack today. If you are struggling to work out where to start with your carbon footprint as a business, perhaps, maybe in your workplace someone's asked you to look at it, or maybe you're just thinking about at home, don't forget about Brilliant Geeky. Geeky Zero aims to give you really simple ways to learn about your carbon footprint and put it into action and hopefully save yourself some cash at the same time. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks again for joining me today on the Age of Plastic podcast. I will be back very soon.